Well, hello and welcome to the fifth episode of the Frontend Coffee Break, a podcast where we just take a small break from our everyday lives, grab a cup of joe, a pizza, a tea, or whatever it is that you prefer or like when you take a, a little bit of a break and discuss different uh, front-end topics or different front-end related topics. Now, like every time, I have my colleague, Ricardo. He's a senior developer with me in Cognizant Netcentric. Hello, Ricardo. Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> all good, all good. Um, and you? I mean, how's the day <laughs> coming along today? <laughs> now it's better than we are recording this, talking about JavaScript. Ooh, I'm looking yeah. forward. Today's, uh, besides the today's episode, we're going to discuss a little bit, in, in a way, it's a continuation of what we did last uh, episode. We were talking about TypeScript, and we were discussing if, when would you, when it makes sense to use it. I mean, if you like about, if you like TypeScript or want to know a little bit about our opinion in TypeScript, well, just uh, go ahead and, and listen or watch uh, our, the previous episode. But this time, we're just continuing in this direction and talking a little bit about JavaScript. And the question that we are going to try to answer is, is it too much? Am I using too much JavaScript? So we just, we're just going to discuss a little bit about, about this. So let's, let's begin trying to answer that question. Quick question. Do you think we're using too much JavaScript, Ricardo? <laughs> yes. Yes, totally. I, I have JavaScript fatigue, man. It's JavaScript everywhere. And, and I think... Yeah, no, we'll deep dive now, but uh, short answer, yes. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I must agree. This uh, and this is something that when we discussed about doing this episode, I recently have something happened uh, at work that made me say, okay, yeah, maybe maybe um, we rely or we go to to use JavaScript uh, too much or too often without really thinking, do I really really need it? So if you like, let me tell you a little bit of this story that, that happened to me um, a couple of weeks ago. I was um, reviewing a little bit of, bit of code, and it was for a feature that, that, that needed to be implemented. And in this case, I was looking at, at, at the pull request, and I saw that it was basically a, a new component. And the only thing that the component did was to check if a class existed in somewhere, somewhere in the page. And if it did, then it added a class. And if it didn't, it removed another class. It was just like a piece of JavaScript that checked if something was there and added a removed a class. A CSS class, not a JavaScript class. A CSS class, that's right, yeah. that's right. That it added or removed a CSS class because depending on, on that, a style should be there or not. And the first thought, it was like, okay, why would we need a, a, a piece of JavaScript, a piece of code to do this? And I I told the person that was doing the the the, that I was reviewing the, the pull request for, and I said, "Hey, can this be done in the backend? I mean, um, if it cannot be done, and this is like the only way, it's not nice, but okay, we can go if we manage to to justify the use of it. But we first need to make sure that this is not something that can be done in the backend. In the end, long story short, it was as simple as." changing a style, removing a style, and that fixed everything. We didn't have to use JavaScript or anything. But I was really surprised that the the, the first uh, instinct was to create JavaScript to, in order to do such a simple task. And well, but I think it's the default for most of the front-end engineers or developers nowadays. I mean, yeah, you want to do, I don't know, anything, any, any, any page, and then you drop a framework or you drop a bunch of JavaScript. Uh, 
we, what we, I think we are starting to be wired to think about JavaScript first, when in theory or, or, or the better solution would be think about HTML first, server-side rendering, of course, and then CSS, then JavaScript, the last one. Nothing can be done with CSS or server-side, go for JavaScript, right? client-side. Yes, and, and, and this is, as you say, it's like a, a, a default in, in, the, in the minds of a lot of people. They, for example, when they're saying, okay, we're, we're, we want to create a new page, we know that we are going to need JavaScript because we want interactivity. And immediately, without even analyzing what type of interactivity or what they really need, they say, okay, well, and we want to use React. And you ask, okay, why do you want to use React? And the answer is because everybody's using it or because we want to use, uh, since we're using JavaScript, we should use React. And it's like, but why? Why react? Not a good answer. Not a good answer. I think no. front-end architects or front-end team leads, they, they know that we need to investigate more, do a proper analysis, and know the requirements before you actually decide on a framework. I mean, not all frameworks are the same. Maybe you don't even need a framework. You already know that ES6, ES2021, the latest JavaScript can do magical things. And, mm. and sure... I think frameworks have their own like use cases and it's fine to use them. But as you said, you got to know why. And sometimes it's not, as you say, you need to analyze and, and see what your requirements are because maybe a small JavaScript library could be all you need, that it could add all the functionality that you actually need. Uh, and that is if, if you actually need it at all. But you need to analyze first what you need to, to do. I was reading the other day an article regarding about this, right? Like um, how to decide... Um, how much JavaScript you needed. And it more or less went on the direction of, okay, so first you need to determine like what is the mo uh, an important flow or user flow in, inside your website. You know, like maybe uh, you want to let your user choose an, uh, an item and put it in a cart. And then you, you determine how the flow is supposed to be. And then you see uh, what type of JavaScript you might need to actually enhance the experience for the user. And if in the end it didn't enhance really the experience, then you shouldn't um, add JavaScript, for example. That was a, sort of like a, a, a way to determine if you needed actually JavaScript. And this is something, once again, you first think about what you need and then you choose based on that um, what you're going to use to, to... And it's not easy. I mean, even if you know more or less the business requirement, yes, I want the users to, you know, to do a search to fetch something from an API, right? Um, it's hard to know exactly where is the tipping point before like you go vanilla and then where is the line that says, okay, now I would need a framework. We know that dumb interaction is super useful and UI changes, but again, how much, where is it? Is it when the code that you would have written in vanilla is bigger than what you would have written if you use it like Vue or, or React or how, how do you know that? It's hard. Yes, and uh, unfortunately, with the the advancement of JavaScript, I mean, uh, we've the language has grown so much that it it reduces the amount of Java or of, of frameworks, for example, that you might need to create a semi-complex um, application. But imagine that you actually need to use a, a framework. I mean, why? What would be the use cases, or when would you say that you would need a framework like Angular or something like React or something like Vue? When would you say it's justified? Hmm. So I think we should at least put aside a single page applications, and that's that's already a given, right? But but for regular like components, um, what I see like a big benefit is when you do a lot of DOM interaction, 
like you have forms and you have the UIs that need to change constantly based on user state or APIs, I don't know, WebSockets, I don't know, but something that changes really, really fast and really real time, I think it's beneficial, right? Because otherwise you start doing your query selectors and inner HTML, it's just too slow, right? You, you, you need something faster. Uh, so I think that that's one of the, like, my checkboxes that says, okay, I need a framework because my UI is very reactive. Okay, yes, makes sense. And, and this is something very important that you just mentioned, precisely that uh, manipulating the DOM and keeping like the data and the states right and the DOM correct, it's, it's hard. And frameworks definitely shine in this, in this part when they help you precisely uh, make sure that your, your data and your DOM are uh, synchronized. And I, I would have to agree in this regarding on when would I use a, a framework? It's like, for example, when I, I see it more like a templating, when I need like advanced templating, let's call it, it's not that precisely, but I would say like when I need advanced templating, when I need advanced manipulation. Um, for example, the first time that I saw jQuery, I mean, many, many years ago, I remember that someone told me, hey, you know, there's this thing, this library that's called jQuery. And I was looking at it, it's like, oh, okay, it looks nice. I, I was seeing how, for example, how to add precisely, uh, manipulate the DOM, how to add an element, uh, a simple to-do list. And I remember that I, I said, okay, I'm going to do like a jQuery version and a non-jQuery version, uh, creating the elements uh, and I mean, doing all, 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 jumping through all the hoops. And I remember looking at both pieces of code and the amount of code that I had written in jQuery was so little compared to, to vanilla JavaScript that that's the moment that it won me over. It's like, Yes, I am using jQuery for everything from now on. And I started working. I mean, and for me, at that from that moment on, if I knew that I needed JavaScript, I went directly, look, I'm going to use jQuery. Nowadays, I mean, it's I don't think like that anymore because uh, a lot of the things that jQuery had, uh, you can do it, or the benefits that you had there, you can do them or you have them natively somehow. No, but the, your example is very good. I mean, you could use this example on a view project or a view concept, right? So you want to have this, I don't know, Two data binding from from B or any any framework, and yes, let's say that your component is only like three lines because everything else is done by B. Every every like yeah, the loop, uh, the if, the condition, everything is, is done in B, right? <laughs> but I think you gotta actually see of what you're doing because if if it's just okay, my component is now one line because I'm loading 50k or 100k from from B, maybe it's more than my 20k I would have written in vanilla, right? So yes, that. Developers want to go fast, and if, of course, we charge money for consulting, and we charge our clients to, to for our time. Uh, but maybe we need to also consider like performance, and why do you need to keep another dependency and technical debt? And yes, maybe sometimes for me, I, I write more in vanilla, but the overall output is less than adding a framework, more maintainable. I don't know; it, it's hard. And this is something that you started mentioning, the, the reasons like why not to use a framework. In this case, if we go to, to, to the framework part, now, not just JavaScript, but why not to use a framework? And one of them, I think that one of the main um, arguments against using a framework would be precisely performance. And the other one would be things like um, SEO. And it's funny when you, when you think about, for example, um, when I started reading about the, uh, when they, the concept about server-side rendering, I was curious, like, what do you mean server-side rendering? What's, what's that? I mean, 
the first time that I heard it. And then uh, starting to reading into it, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, because since it's a single page application, um, it, it depends on JavaScript and maybe uh, the web crawlers are not able to see it. What you can do a solution to help on that and help on SEO is that you, rend you render on the server a version of the page that is not never going to be seen by the user, but it's there so that the web crawlers can see it. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, you're, you're creating a solution for a problem that didn't exist before when you, when you created it or before using a framework. I mean, and it just felt so strange. You know, it's like it feels like you're creating problems to make thinking or trying to make life easier. You're creating additional problems. And then you say, oh, well, but I have a solution for the problem that I created or wasn't there in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I mean, surely SSR SSR rendering has has benefits, and then people use it, and it's fine. But I think it, it's what we had before, I mean, or we always had available to us, like uh, backends in Java, backends in PHP, whatever, just serving static HTML and then you know enhancing it with JavaScript. And I think it feels like what the, the industry is going back to this thing. I mean, we start okay with with yeah, sure backends in PHP, and now we went full on uh, rendering the HTML via JavaScript, which it makes me cringe. Like you have a bunch of JavaScript <laughs> and you're not sending any HTML. You, you, your HTML is just a div that call, it's called app. And then everything else is, is rendered with JavaScript. But ah, okay. And now we're going back to, okay, we, we render all the components, all the HTML using JavaScript on the server because we don't want to learn Java or PHP and we want to do it all with front-end technologies. Hmm. Uh, and then we hydrate uh, in the front-end again. It, it's, it's going back full circle, man. And that, that's the term that I didn't uh, learn until I started looking into into the modern frameworks, the hydration thingy. Um, I mean, it, I was at first it's like, what do you mean hydration? What what is that? And then looking into it, it's like, oh, okay, okay. So this is what what it means. It, it was quite funny. Now, there's many ways that we forget um, that exist to help reduce precisely the amount of JavaScript that you might need. And um, for example, one of them would be CSS. There's a lot of things that that people forget that they can that can be done with CSS, and instead of using CSS purely or only CSS, they use JavaScript. Let's not talk about animations, which we know that CSS now uh, provides a lot of very cool animations or very very interesting ways of doing animations. But for example, uh, menus like uh, opening and closing menus. This is something that you usually say, okay, I need JavaScript. So when you click here, it opens the menu, and then I can do this, this, or that. And now. If you know a little bit of advanced JavaScript, this is something that you can do only with CSS. Advanced JavaScript, no, sorry, advanced CSS. You can only you can do it only with CSS, and I guess that this is one thing that we can do, for example, to to reduce the amount of JavaScript that we use. Yes, of course, we are not talking about minifying or gzipping or bundling your your four megabytes of uncompressed JavaScript. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about, but rather you know thinking more on a maybe progressive enhancement kind of way. I think it's hard to mm -hmm. do on, on, on real projects, but we should really strive for it. I mean, if the client doesn't need a custom uh, dropdown, let's not use a custom JavaScript dropdown. Let's use a native element, right? Use semantics, use what HTML has given to us. And if that's enough for the client or the use case, use it. Or like date pickers, color pickers, all those things that can be used right now, make use of them. And then, okay, it's not good enough because, I don't know, you need some sort of customization on the model for picking a date, sure, go for JavaScript. But I think we fall back too much to say, okay, we need to drop down, go for JavaScript. No, hold on. Yeah. And this is something that you mentioned that it's very interesting. 
And it's precisely, you mentioned two of the things uh, that are, that were widely used as, uh, or that you needed JavaScript to do, but no longer need to do with them. Well, you mentioned, uh, well, the menu was one that we were talking about this, but you mentioned another one, which is the date picker. You know, I remember, I even uh, remember um, customizing an already existing library of the, uh, for date picker to actually have like a very custom date picker. But nowadays, you 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 can you have that natively in HTML. You can just uh, pick a date in a very native way, and it's nice because, for example, if you're using a mobile phone, it will show you what it thinks it's the best way to show you how to pick a date. And then on 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 the um, browser, you can also pick a date pretty quickly. It's zero. That's part. You you get it for free. You get the the native OS on on Android or iOS. It gets for free when you use a native select or a native date picker. That's I love it. It's fantastic. And and a lot of uh, a lot of new functionalities have been added. For example, with HTML5 and forms that you usually or or typically use JavaScript to check or to verify or whatever, and you don't need it anymore. And one feature uh, that I really love that's available in in browsers and it's widely su supported, at least for most modern browsers, is lazy image lazy loading, which is something that you also typically had to program in JavaScript and you no longer have to do that. And that's incredible. It is, it is. I mean, uh, in my project, we've done the, the switch now, and I think we still have some places because Safari versions we have to support. But mm -hmm. yes, slowly we're, we're deprecating that and using the native. It's just one attribute and you're done. It's it's so cheap. It doesn't, it's fantastic. I love it. It's, it's so much mm -hmm. JavaScript and it can be removed. Yeah. And now that you mentioned progressive enhancement, could you just explain a little bit what progressive enhancement is for those that haven't heard okay, of it? Or at least how I understand it. So. <laughs> So the thing is that you have your own like base HTML page, right? And then um, based on the client, let's say the user or the device or their desktop, you add features on top that they can use, right? So if the user has access to, I don't know, certain CSS features, then they would see something more enhanced. If they have access to, I don't know, JavaScript, then okay, then the form would look a little bit better, would be more responsive. But the form looks and works okay with just HTML. There are some browsers or some users that have, for instance, JavaScript turned off because they don't want tracking, they don't want customizations, and, and they just want form, right? And nowadays, it's very hard to find a form that works without JavaScript. The, the, the old time or the, the, the old way of doing it, just you know, submit to a post to the server, right? Full page reload. That it still works. I mean, if you have your own server, right? So, so doing a progressive enhancement would mean that works. But if you have JavaScript loaded, then you'll do it via Ajax on the background. So it looks better. But you can still do that with just HTML and CSS. Yeah, it's it's and the nice thing about uh, progressive enhancement, if you go on that philosophy, is precisely that it's easier to make accessible websites. And this is something that, for example, uh, banks have to have to do, at least here in Europe, they have to have a certain level of accessibility. And depending on the uh, on the country, there's certain regulations that force certain entities that have to follow the, the accessibility, uh, uh, certain accessibility or support a certain accessibility level. And doing it pr progressively, uh, enhancing progressively, it, you usually don't need to do extra work to make it accessible. Naturally, it becomes accessible. And, that, and that is, that's a little bit of a less effort that you need to do. Although, in my experience, um, working with progressive enhancement, it's quite nice. I love it. But it is a little bit more work than regular, um, than doing it normally. 
it takes a little bit more time because you have to think or at least to find a way to do it progressively. Like, okay, HTML, if, if the user only has HTML, how uh, would it work? And then, okay, I have um, uh, CSS. So with CSS, what extra things could, could I add that make that makes it a little bit better? And then finally, it's like, and if the user on top of that has JavaScript, how can I make it even better than that? But it works regardless if you have HTML only, which means that very simple browsers could, could uh, render it. Yeah, it yeah. works. It looks good if you have uh, as a CSS as well. And then finally, if you have JavaScript, you might have a... Uh, an enhanced experience. Definitely. And I think the hardest part here is convincing your client that it's not terrible to have an experience without JavaScript or that you have different... Because usually, you know how clients are. You, they usually want to have the same smooth experience across all browsers. And we know as a front-end engineer that that's not feasible and that that's super expensive and it's it's very hard to achieve. And they need to understand that it's, it's fine if on Mac the scroll bar looks one way and on Windows looks the other way. And it's not... Yes. You don't have to code... A, a bunch of JavaScript to make this the same scroll bar in all net and browsers, right? And that it's fine, but it, it takes some time to 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 like um, teach the clients or, or or yeah, show them how it can be done. And then sometimes it's also about the, well, the, if you don't use that much JavaScript or you um, do it in a different philosophy where you're not packing so much information. If the, you you might argue, but right now we have browsers that are super powerful. We have uh, mobile phones that can render and download data. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's 10 mega website, I'll have it downloaded in a couple of seconds. Like, it doesn't really matter. But then again, there's clients that maybe don't realize, and, and it's happened to me, one of the clients that I work with, that they had um, specific, uh, uh, in a specific area of the world, that place, that country had a very, very slow um, data plans. The, the entire country had like very slow data plans. And at first they were asking like, hey, you know, um, we are seeing some performance issues in this country. Uh, could you check it out? Because it shouldn't be it shouldn't be uh, working like that. And just looking into it, it's like, well, you know, the thing is that the average, I think that the average speed of, of the internet speed was 3G. And that was like most of the people had access to 3G and nothing or very few people had access to something bigger than that. And it's like, okay, in this kind of cases, it's a very, maybe it's an edge case, but it's something that, that makes you think, okay, maybe we should um, try to rethink on the way that we're doing the website if we want to actually um, not uh, punish these people for having a slow network. And then again, um, who hasn't, well, who hasn't, that's just, for example, when you're, um, if you're riding the subway, you don't have, you don't necessarily, doesn't matter where you are, you don't necessarily have a high speed internet. Yeah. I remember trying to read something, some article, and then just suddenly giving up because it was taking so much time to load and I was just in the, in, in the subway and it's like, okay, so they don't want me to read the article, fine, I won't read the article. But think about it, it was just only text, so how, how much bandwidth do you need for just text, right? So it's... I, I this is funny. I don't remember who it was. Uh, how big? Do you remember how big um, Doom is? The original Doom. Doom. Or? I don't know Doom. No, I don't know. Because I remember they, they were saying. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember if they were comparing something like the size of of a, a video game like Doom or the size of, for example, I don't know, maybe uh, an entire book compared mm. to a, the size of a, a, a website in kilobytes that only had a small article. And they were saying, how could, for example, uh, the let's say the Bible can occupy less space than this page that has a 500 letter uh, word 
article because you have to download so much JavaScript, so much things that it just makes it impossible to to watch if you don't have a or to download if you don't have a good connection. Totally. I want to go back to what you said at the very beginning on your example where you said. Um, yes, you didn't need JavaScript because you were doing server-side rendering and you're doing it in the backend. So I had, I had a, a small example here I wanted to share with you and also with, with the listeners. Um, okay, let, now let's a little bit forget about uh, frameworks and you already have your, your JavaScript set up and everything. Hmm. Um, also, like when you talk about um, APIs and client-side rendering or things like that, I think front-end engineers need to be very strong when it comes to the things that can be done in the backend. Right, backend being sure a microservice or whatever it is, right? Uh, because I, I had this, this example where um, we had a, an API provider and they were sending us um, a bunch of, of results, right? And the, the requirement was okay, I want these results to be listed on the page, perfect, easy, just get the JSON and do a for each. You don't need framework for that. Uh, but then the, the the key thing was that the results were a little bit mangled, right? So the thing is mm -hmm. that uh, you had to group the results based on, okay, if my previous result is from type A and my second result is from type C, I want to group them. And it was, it was very complicated. And when we asked the backend guys, they said, no, we don't want to do it or we cannot do it. I don't know. It's always like we can't, but it's usually I won't, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we had to do it on client side. And of course, the amount of processing we had to do in the front end was was huge. The, the client side had to loop all the results, start grouping, looping, and you know how expensive that is. So I think as, as a front end engineers, we need to push back a little bit when it comes to, okay, they say, yes, do it on the front end, do it on the client because it's easy. We just do it in JavaScript and it takes us maybe a day or two to do it. But what is the cost for the end user, right? It has to download this endpoint, unprocess data, do all the calculations, and then just print it. I think the front end should be just paint your data. Or what do you think, Tuchin? Completely agree. And this is a discussion nice. that I always have <laughs> in the sense that... Um, my philosophy when we're working on, on a project is if it can be done in the back end, let's do it on the back end. I've had things like, for example, components that need to work one way or another. And I always say, if this can be done in the back end, let's do it on the back end. If not, we can, everything, as I say, can, what can be done in the front? Everything. Everything can be done in the front end. But that doesn't mean just because you can do it doesn't mean that you should do it. I think that everything that you can push all the way to the back, it's faster. It's faster. And it's much better if they if they can process data, let them process data and just give you the information. I mean, the front end should be as dumb as possible. I mean, it should do mm -hmm. the minimum amount of work possible. I feel so clean when I work on a, on, on a side <laughs> project and, and I add no JavaScript. Like, I mean, I do all my bills and everything in Node, everything, and, and, and my output is just, you know, HTML and CSS, and I have no JavaScript because it's it's so contrary to what I do in my daily work that I feel so, it's, oh, what is this heaven? <laughs> Enough JavaScript, guys. Okay, and let's, uh, I think that we, we can talk about one other interesting topic in, in, in all this before we close uh, today's episode. And it's about something that I was precisely, when I was reading up uh, for today's episode, that I found um, a framework that I hadn't uh, worked, that I haven't worked with. I, I had heard about it, but I have never put myself into looking into it, and um, I saw it, and it's interesting, which is quick. It was funny because uh, basically, it's uh, reminded me a little bit about the how do you call them the server side? No, the static. Uh, you mentioned the static side generators. Yes, so yeah. it reminded me a little bit like um, what you do is that you work with something that creates an end result that is optimized. You know, the tools that you have, the framework, let's say that you work with. 
it's not what you deliver the the the, the compressed code you deliver it so that the, the client the browser can process it no 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 it it goes like a preprocessor like it gets compiled and it generates these resources that are then delivered uh, to the browser svelte for example being one one such framework which um, you have a lot of of, of uh, very nice uh, features, but it transforms everything to JavaScript, and, uh, vanilla JavaScript, and it just it compiles it and then it just um, sends it to the to the browser like the minimum amount. You don't have this framework there, or at least not a big one. And this one, the Quick did something similar. It, it separated things or it built things in such a way that you were only trying to no, you would only load the resources that you needed when you needed. And the philosophy that I liked is. You, it's a different way of creating websites. You know, it's like compiling things that you're doing and delivering a product that it's supposed to be mm -hmm. like super small. For the listeners, that's Q W I K Quick. And, and yeah, I think we were thinking about doing I before before the recording this show, and and, mm -hmm. and I was we were so surprised that the, okay, the 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 output of the HTML, for instance, and they had a button right, and the button had an on-click event. And usually, when you do it with vanilla JavaScript, you have okay, document dot add event listener click, and then you do the whatever it is, right? Mm. Um, but here, the uh, HTML generated was actually an on-click event inline on the same button, right? So in the browser would read that directly. That you don't need to actually download a file to an HTTP request to that, then add an event listener to the button or the document you would have it on click on the same button. And it was so interesting to me. Uh, I think that's that's one of the things they used to, to make it so fast. And, and and I just wanted to 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 point out that it's like, just as we think um, we're going to do a website, oh, a lot of JavaScript, a framework or something, we don't think about it because this is the way that we, we learn how to do it. Um, sometimes we're just um, put inside this box on the way that things should be done. And I find it refreshing to find these kind of uh, proposals that it says, hey, you know, there's different ways of doing it. I mean, um, why don't we use this feature and do it this way or this other way uh, or just um, change the way that you work? In, in, and I, I find it great. I mean, but again, going back full circle, I mean, didn't you at the beginning of your web development career used to do on-click events on the exact element you want to do something, you did on-click and then do something. Now we're going back to it because it's so fast and so... You know, delivering it with HTML, no JavaScript needed in terms of downloading another file. Uh, it's it's interesting that we're going back to it. It's yes, yeah. It, it's it's and this is something that's that's recurring I, that I see a, a lot of times happening. That suddenly they say, "Oh, this is a new thing because we're trying to solve this," and it's like, "Weren't we doing this like eight years ago? Wasn't this something that was done ten years ago?" I mean, it always feels that you're going yeah. back to basics, but because I think that things get so complex that you forget where they come from. And especially new people don't know where they come from. And suddenly it's like, oh, why don't we do it like, like this? It's like, ah, oh, yes, I remember when we used to do it like that. I like it, man. Go back to the basics, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Go back to basics. So I think that that's all the time that we have for, for today's episode. It was quite interesting, uh, a quite nice discussion. I would like to know what uh, the listeners think about this. I mean, do you like frameworks? Don't you like frameworks? What do you do to, to reduce the amount of JavaScript that you use? Or do you think that everything should be um, in JavaScript? I don't know. Yeah, comment. and don't be ashamed to say, comment below if, if you're the one. That, <laughs> when they think about the component, they always jump into JavaScript or just don't be ashamed. We've all been there. So, yeah. <laughs> Yes. And thank you for joining us and hope to see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.